All right, man, I, I love uh, these ironworks getting together with the guys. And, you know, um, one of the privileges I have is getting to know a ton of you guys, you know, um, and um, I'm always amazed at who we have sitting in this room or, you know, on any Sunday or just the, the caliber of, of, of the brothers in this congregation. I, I, part of me wishes I could, you know, uh, get you guys connected, you know, like, oh man, this guy should know that guy. I mean, I'm always thinking that. Oh, these two guys, they, they, they would be like best bros, you know, as they, you know, you, I see your, your talents, your giftings, and, and um, just, just the neat, the neat uh, guys we have in this congregation. And uh, man, I hope you, you do take advantage of, of that, getting to know each other a little bit and, and hanging out and uh, bringing our families together and uh, living some life together. Uh, it's really rich when you have those, those kind of relationships. So uh, uh, just, just keep working toward that. Don't be the Lone Ranger guy, you know, that just kind of comes and goes. Make sure you, you know, get plugged in and get to know other guys. Um, we have a topic today that um, <clears throat> is kind of a tricky one because it's, um, it's one that we all know about, we all talked about, we all know we should do. It makes it a little difficult on my part um, this morning, and I was even praying last night, Lord, just how could we talk about this? And I, and I really just, the only answer I came up with is, Lord, by your spirit, man, apply this truth, because the topic of prayer is um, maybe one of the most important ironworks we'll have ever done. You know, we've talked about pornography. <laughs> we've talked about um, accountability. We've talked about marriage and holiness and purity, and we've talked about, like, like the list, now that we've been doing this for several years, this ironworks, man, we've covered some t big topics, and, and some of the topics, you know, uh, man, it's just so good to see the fruit and uh, what the Lord's doing through you guys, but I think that if this, if this, this single topic, if we applied ourselves to this one, um, not only would we see all those other topics that we've covered, um, you know, be taken care of, but we might just see massive revival and power in our community. Like, we, you know, um, prayer is so underrated, and yet we all know it's true. I mean, if I, if I, you know, polled all of us, we'd all say, yeah, 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 we know prayer is good. But if we really believe prayer is powerful, why don't we, why aren't we the prayer warriors that we really should be? I mean, if we really believe in prayer, um, why aren't we fervent in prayer? Um, and there might be some of you, but percentage-wise, the statistics tell us that, um, that men just really don't pray as much. Um, in fact, I found it interesting in my studies that baby boomers uh, are less likely to have a, a, a routine of prayer than millennials. <laughs> so kudos to the millennials. You know, we're always talking about the millennials these days, you know, and, and I hear a lot of old baby boomers say, these millennials, you know, what are these millennials? Well, according to the studies, millennials got you, you guys on prayer, the older dudes in this room. Uh, I'm neither one of you. I'm a Gen Xer, so uh, I, I'm not sure. I did, they didn't even measure us. Maybe we didn't measure on the Richter scale, but, um, <laughs> um, but you know, there's, some, there's a couple notions I want to talk about, and then, um, and then we'll, uh, <clears throat> we'll get into kind of the crux of the matter, but why don't you turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2. One of the illustrations, you know how you have those life illustrations that stick with you your whole life? Um, when it comes to prayer, the illustration that I always go to and think of is that time I had fifth and sixth grade boys, we were hiking through the caves at Captain Jack's stronghold. How many of you guys have been to Captain Jack's stronghold? Raise your hand. 
Wow, man, it's, it's a ways from here, so I understand why, but it's, it's, um, it's really beautiful high desert, and it's where the, um, the Modoc Wars, the Indian Wars, uh, the last of the real wars were fought and against the cavalry, and man, it, uh, you know, when I bring those fifth and sixth grade boys, it was almost like you're going back in time. Uh, and you can totally see the war there and the, the, the land. And man, you know, we, we, we had all kinds of games we'd play that were sort of like war games, uh, but it was, it was fun. One of the, 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 we'd go into these caves and, and we'd send one team into a cave. And then uh, there was this one cave particularly, was awesome, the catacombs as they called it. Um, and it went off on all these directions. And the goal was we'd give the one team like 10 minutes to go in. And then the goal is the other teams would go in and try to find that team without that team being able to get out of the cave. And it, it, was, it was a real uh, hoot uh, and fun. We'd play that till like two in the morning. I'm not kidding. It was like a, a blast. But, um, but exploring those caves with those boys, I remember one year, um, uh, Tad and I had about, you know, 50 boys were all kind of going through this cave. And I knew this cave really well. Uh, I'd been in there a hundred times and uh, and it was, it seemed like a matrix of, of ca- you know, caverns and little things, and it, but it was really easy to kind of memorize. But um, I'd let the boys go, like, if, I, being somewhat of a larger guy, I didn't like crawling through the little tubes that much. But, but if I knew the tube went somewhere, I'll, I'll, I'll crawl through. But if I knew it was a dead end, I'm like, hey, why don't you go explore and see if that goes anywhere? And the guy's, oh, yeah, okay. And so they run in there. Well, I think they got on to me. They realized I wasn't doing the things that were dead ends. So the boys are like, um, the one boy says, hey, could I try that? I think this one goes a long way. And so he took off into this little tiny tube. And I'm like, yeah, it's just a, it's a r- little room back there. Um, and it's this big round room that's, that's only like three feet high. Uh, and, um, and it's probably, you know, 50 feet by 50 feet or whatever. And uh, I knew it. And so I said, why don't you go? And one boy goes, and he's like, come on, it, it goes in here forever. And they just kept going. And all the boys, all 50 of them are going in. I'm like, boy, this. <laughs> it's going to be crowded back there. Well, finally, I'm like uh, the last guy, and they're like, Brad, it keeps going. Come on. I'm like, man, did I forget about this tube? And I thought, where's this guy? Well, I decided to squeeze my way through this lava tube, and, um, and I was, I was kind of, you know, scrooching through that rough lava rock, and was like, oh, man, you know, I know this is a dead end. No, it goes on forever, Pastor Brad. So, finally, I get right to where I'm almost to the room uh, that I knew about, but, but it seemed like it was much bigger the year before. Um, and, I remember, <laughs> and I remember thinking, man, I can't squeeze through this anymore. Uh, that's a bummer. So I, 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 I was able to start scooching a little further when I exhaled. I sort of exhaled. Went, and, then, and then I went to inhale, but I couldn't. It was like... Uh, I was like really constricted and I, I was kind of stuck on those jagged lava rocks, you know, and, and, um, and I was kind of stuck and then the, and I looked with my flashlight up at the boys and the boys were like, ah, we fooled your breath, there's a dead end. At this point, I'm just a little panic, just a little, uh, but I didn't want the boys to see us. So I'm like, ah, you guys, you're funny. And I shine my light, now this is where it got funny um, because when I shined, my, my light was the brightest, when I shined it up in there, um, there was a bunch of bats that just freaked out and started flapping around this little room. Uh, so, so it's a little tiny room with 50 boys in it and bats going <laughs> and they freaked, man. The boys were just freaked. And I was plugging up the hole, <laughs> the exit. And uh, they're going, oh, Brad, get out! So, you know, I kind of pushed my way out, you know, leaving some skin behind and, um, and finally got back out and the boys came running, oh, they're running out, you know, and the bats followed them out. And, um, and when we got back outside, we were, we were talking about that little experience. 
And I said, hey, guys, uh, how many of you guys got hit by a bat? And the funny thing is not one of them was touched by a bat. They could feel the wind from their wings, but they couldn't feel a bat actually hit them. And I was talking to them about this, and we made a little object lesson out of it, saying, you know, bats, these brown bats in southern Oregon, they have eyes, but they really can't see. Um, They use like sonar, these little squeaks that um, some of them you can hear, but most of their squeaks we can't hear with the human ear. Um, But they're constantly squeaking and constantly bouncing their sound off of things, knowing exactly where things are. In fact, they look like they're flying out of control, but the truth is these uh, bats are some of the most skilled of all the flyers in the animal kingdom. Um, And it's kind of an an amazing science. Bats are an interesting little creature. Um, But I I, I was telling the boys, you know, that's kind of like prayer. Prayer is you and me uh, setting off our little squeaks to the Lord to know where we're supposed to go, to know what we're supposed to do. Um, And if we stop praying, what happens? What if the bats stop squeaking? Um, And I said, they'd smack into your face. And if you're a bat, that's the last thing you want to do is smack into the face of a human. Um, And I said, you know, prayer is that for us. We need to to send our prayers off and the Lord will give us wisdom and direction, guidance. And and I I kind of always think of that story when I I think about prayer and, and how needful it is. And I wonder how many crashes you and I have had and we wonder, why did that happen in my life when prayer would have been the answer? Like David, when he went off to battle, he, he said, Lord, he started to pray, should we go into battle against these Philistines? And the Lord said, yes. So David went to battle. Well, the next day, same Philistines, same area. He prays again, Lord, should I go into battle again with these Philistines? And the Lord said, no, uh, not, not so. You're, I want you to go around by the mulberry trees off the sides and, and wait there. And then when the wind blows through the mulberry trees, then I want you to attack the Philistines. It was a different, uh, you know, battle plan that God had. Had David not sent out his little prayer squeak and just went into battle, assuming, well, I prayed yesterday and I'm supposed to go to battle. I'm sure it's the same thing today. And so he would have gone into defeat. I wonder how many of us have been defeated just because we simply haven't really sought the Lord in prayer. Prayer, well, there's so many facets. It's not just for guidance and for direction. There's so much to prayer. Um, and, uh, and, and I think it's a key because it'll change who you are. If you're a man who believes in prayer, if I'm a man who takes time to pray, it's gonna change our demeanor. Our demeanor? Yeah, um, you know, sometimes I've noticed, and I'm, I'm gonna use myself as an example because I don't wanna put any of you guys on the spot, but myself, uh, when I find myself riled up about politics, about what's going on t- today, and man, there's all kinds of things, you know, people are, people are, I mean, right now, there's an interesting time, government shut down, longest in the history of the United States, and the border, and a wall, and, and people are, you know, Pelosi, and what's his name, you know, Schumer, they're looking like mom and dad's down there, you're, you know, here's Schumer, it's like, you know, um, you guys, you know, it's, it's just hilarious, like the whole thing, if it wasn't true, it would, it'd be hilarious. But, um, but, but the more you look at it, if you find yourself getting all riled up, I've found with me, that usually is a good indication I've not been praying about it. Because prayer brings about, well, peace. The, the man who prays is not gonna be easily riled up or, or worked up about what's going on in the world today. Um, that might just be a little bit of a litmus test for you and for me. Are we all riled up about stuff? Maybe it's not politics, maybe it's your family. 
Are you riled up about stuff? Are you irritative or, or grumpy or grouchy? Maybe. We, we think, well, I'll just try not to be grouchy anymore. Well, maybe there's a, a grouchiness because you need to pray. Maybe there's an anger that's built into your soul because you haven't given your, yourself to prayer. You know, one of the topics we talked about was anger. And, um, and we talked about various things about what the Bible says about a man and anger. We did that a, a, a last year. <clears throat> but, um, but I wonder if one of the great solutions to the, the man that wrestles with anger issues is prayer. And, and I'll show you why I believe that. It's, it's here in 1 Timothy. And um, it says this. Let's, let's read. <clears throat> it's 1 Timothy chapter 2. Um, Paul tells young Timothy, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and the giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who will have all men to be saved and to come unto knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. By the way, notice that's not Mary, it's not the saints, it's Jesus, one mediator between God and man, who, verse six, gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle, I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Here Paul says, uh, and, and puts an exclamation point on the priority of prayer. I would that first of all, first, I mean, and, and even the, the, the language here, I exhort, he starts off with this exhort, the word exhort there, it's the strongest um, way to urge Timothy to do something. He doesn't say, I encourage you. I, he doesn't even say, I beseech you. He says, I exhort. That's like a father saying, son, you better do this or we're going to go back behind the shed. It's kind of a, it's, it's like a pretty serious challenge, charge saying, son, you got to do this. Here's an exhortation, strong language here. He says, I, I'm going to exhort you that first of all, priority numero uno, isn't it funny, you know, that, you, that, you know, if you asked a lot of churches or, or ministries or even men, what's your priority? If you were to say, as it relates to your faith, you know, your walk with the Lord, your church life, your, you know, what, what is your, you know, priority? What would you say? First of all, I, and there's a lot of guys that I'm really into missions. Others might say, I, I'm really into, you know, um, you know, helping kids come to the Lord. I'm, I'm really into, you know, our youth group and serving in ministry and youth or, or young life. Or I'm really into, you know, making sure people, uh, you know, read their Bibles. Or Like, there's all kinds of good things we can do. But it's interesting that Paul told young Timothy, no, first and foremost, prayer. But then he, he breaks it down even more to add to the exclamation point, the various forms of prayer. He lists four right here. Did you see that? He says, first of all, I would that you uh, uh, start with supplications. Um, let me just do a breakdown. He, he says supplications, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving. Those are the four. Um, what's supplication? Well, um, the Greek word is diesis, uh, and it's an interesting word that means um, <clears throat> like a plea 
or a request or a petition. Um, the idea of a supplication is you making um, your request to the Lord for your own personal needs, uh, blessing, guidance, direction. It's saying, Lord, I, I need you to help me with this. Supplication, um, diesis, plea, prayer, request, petition. That's the, that's the word supplication. The, the second word here is prayers, and, and that's the one we use sort of clumsily to call all of them prayers. Um, and you could do that. It's like, uh, it is the main description of what supplication, intercession, thanksgiving, um, that's prayer. But the, the, the word here is kind of important. It's prosuke, which means to speak to God um, and talking to God specifically, interestingly enough, for direction. Direction. Isn't it interesting when David asked, Lord, should I go to battle with the Philistines? And he said, yes, the first day and no the second day. The second day, go to the mulberry trees. That was prayer, asking Lord for direction. Should I stay or should I go? Um, <laughs> you guys remember that song from the 80s? Um, that's, that's, a, that's a prayer of David right there. Uh, I don't know if you have the guitar riff, though. Um, so you got, uh, pro, uh, that, that's prosuke, uh, uh, to speak to God specifically for direction. By the way, that's the bats in the cave thing, the squeaks that we should let out for direction. Uh, prosuke, prayer. So you got daesis, supplication, prosuke, which is prayers. And then the, the third one is intercession. And that's an interesting Greek word, in, intusis, uh, intuxis, I should say. And that word, um, it just means this, uh, talking to God, uh, the action of saying a prayer on the behalf of another person. Uh, so supplication is more prayers for yourself and for your own situation. Intercession is praying on behalf of others. Uh, intuxis is the Greek word there. And then the fourth word, kind of self-explanatory, thanksgiving. Um, uh, interesting, by the way, there's a link. Does anybody recognize this word? The, the Greek word there is uh, eucharistia. Anybody recognize that word? Eucharist, right? Yeah, um, and, and that's what the Eucharist, the table of communion, if you were in a more liturgical church, they might have used that word more as, as the description of, of communion, and it's linked to the word thanksgiving. The Eucharist is thanksgiving for the body and the blood of Christ and celebrating that. But thanksgiving, uh, by definition, this uh, Eucharistia uh, means gratitude uh, for all benefits and blessings. Um, you know, uh, if you ever think, man, what do I pray about? Man, Brett, I heard you guys go up and pray with the elders for a long time, sometimes for a whole day. What do you do in prayer? Well, there's all kinds of models that you can use for prayer. Um, have you ever found yourself kind of like, man, what should I be praying? I'm just sitting here. I'm supposed to be praying. I want to set time aside. Well, there's all kinds of models for prayer. Um, just try this one pray through the four that we just mentioned. Um, what, if you, what if you just said, I'm going to go sit on a log, I'm going to pray however long the Lord wants me to do, but I'm going to start with this list. Supplications. Lord, here's my own personal needs. Right now i got bills that I don't know how I'm going to pay them. Right now my kids are acting up and I need to know how to uh, deal wisely with them. Right now I've got this at the job and right now I need that. And Lord, here's my needs. Um, uh, and, and you say, well, Brett, isn't that selfish? Uh, you'd think it would be that, but God says, First of all, I want you to be given your supplication, your, your own personal needs. Maybe it's more spiritual in nature. Lord, make me a person of prayer. Make me a man of humility. Lord, help me to, um, you know, personal petition about, Lord, wisdom. Or, you know, it doesn't have to be just, you know, give me more money or help me at my job. It can be those things. But, 
There's so much we can make of supplication, personal. And then you, 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 when you're done, kind of exhausted all of that, the, the supplication, then you move to prayer, saying, Lord, I need wisdom and direction concerning, and then fill in the blank. Do I go right or left on this? Um, you know, and some of you have decisions in front of you uh, that you're making about where you're gonna live, what you're gonna do, um, what you're gonna do after this job, what do you do for the next job? Um, sometimes you just need direction. And then intercession. Man, I've got a list that I keep uh, of, of people that need prayer. Um, and um, it's kind of cool because um, I've learned to use my iPhone uh, to help quickly list that. Um, the other day, it was kind of funny. I'm not, uh, I, I gotta be careful. I'm not trying to brag here because I'm, I'm a loser in most things. But I did have one win the other day that I thought was kind of cool. And it, and it was one of those things where um, this, this, uh, this girl came up to me after a uh, service and she had only been to our church one time. And, um, and she, uh, the first time she came, she told me about um, how she was really wrestling with depression. And, um, and, it was, and, and I, I just felt like um, it was one of the more legitimate requests. Like when she came and just said, what do I do? And I, and I just told her, man, I'm gonna be praying for you. And so right after I talked to her, I kind of stuck it on my prayer list and I wrote her name down uh, and, uh, and just put a little note by it, and that made my prayer list. Well, I'd been praying through that list of people uh, for several months, and, I, for what, and, and sometimes I'll retire a person off that list if I know the prayer has been answered, uh, and I've heard kind of good news. I'll say, well, man, that, check. Lord covered that. But this one had been several months. Well, the same girl, and I have no way of knowing uh, how often a person comes to Athey Creek. I didn't know, but she hadn't been to the church since. She came that one time, came up and talked to me, and then, and then she hadn't been since, and, she, and I found out later that it was like her first time back since she talked to me. It was like five or six months later. And, uh, and I said, man, how are you doing? And I, and I called her by name. And, uh, and see, some people are, how do you do that, Brett? Well, I don't know a lot of names. You know, um, most of the brothers in the church are, hey, bro, man, hey, buddy. <laughs> How's it going, man? I wish I was better at that. But in this particular case, because she was on my prayer list, I was able to call her by name, and I said, man, how are you doing with that thing we talked about? And she, she like, burst into tears. Um, and she told me how she went to, a, she actually attended a church of, like, 100 people, and she, you know, lifelong friends with the pastor, and that pastor doesn't even remember her name. And I was like, oh, man, um, uh, that, that kind of was heartbreaking. But it was kind of interesting because um, of my prayer list, I was able to sort of remember, and it really, it kind of, I think, touched her heart, and, um, and, and then she was able to give me a good report about what the Lord is doing in her life, and I was, and I was really blessed by that, and I thought, man, I need to get better at that, um, so I'm, I'm telling you about that one situation. I've failed in a million others. I'm telling you one good thing, um, but I uh, but wonder if we all started keeping a list of people that, that we should be praying for, people that the Lord just stirs your heart and says, that's somebody who should be on your intercession list, you know, that's, uh, that's intercession. And then Thanksgiving, uh, Eucharistia, to express gratitude. Um, those are the big four things. And, and so with this First Timothy chapter 2, he says, first of all, I want you to do those four kinds of prayer, modes of prayer, if you'd call them that. And then he even says, and make all of those four kings and for all that are in authority. Um, who is in authority? Well, that's, that's easy. Anybody who's in authority over you. Um, and I would say that starts with, you know, perhaps our, 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 you know, version of a king. In those days they had kings, but we have a president. 
And instead of getting stressed out and angry and upset, we as Christians, man, we should be called to prayer, whether it's Obama or Trump, Clinton or Bush. Uh, it doesn't matter. We should be given, first of all, to prayer. Uh, and for all that are in authority over us, and, and that could be your boss. That could be, uh, you know, for you younger guys, a uh, teacher or parents. You know, that could be, um, that could be a police officer. I think we should be playing, praying for our police officers. They're an authority over you. Um, I know that a lot of kids aren't being raised that way. The police officers, you should back talk against them and don't do what they tell you to do. And that's a good way to get shot. <laughs> I taught my kids, they, uh, by the way, the police are an authority, uh, ministers of God. That's what the Bible calls them in Romans 13. Um, I, hope, I hope all of us are doing a good job at that. I, I, I probably am preaching to the choir in this congregation. Um, we have tons of police officers in our church, and I think we're kind of just that church that's very pro-police uh, officer, uh, as we should be. Um, but but uh, that's the problem with, with a lot of the stuff that we're seeing going on in America is nobody likes authority, let alone praying for those that are in authority over them. They want to rebel against authority. That, that's, that's our culture. Um, those of you guys that are police officers, man, I don't know why you do that. You got the craziest job, uh, the most unthank, people are most unthankful, and, uh, and uh, especially here in Portland area, man, um, it's just a, a tough deal. Well, Brett, I think there's probably some bad apples out there. Of course, uh, every profession <laughs> has that, uh, especially in the pastorate. Uh, there's a lot of bad apples there too. So pastors, police, yeah, uh, there's sinners in that group. Um, but be that as it may, uh, we're supposed to pray for anyone who's in authority. And then, and then it gives us the result of that. Now, 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 this is where, when I was talking about the angry man, if you're an angry man or you're a stressed out man or, uh, you know, um, or if, if you feel like things are crazy and out of control, this is the answer. Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, intercession for kings, for authority, those that are over there. That, it says, verse 2, that we that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Man, that's, that's, to me, that's like the perfect man right there. If you show me a man who's living with, he's not stressed out, he's living in quietness and peace, and he's got all godliness and all honesty, the word there could be integrity. So this is a man of integrity, a man of quiet, just strength and peace. That comes from a man who's given to prayer, intercession, supplication, thanksgiving for kings, for rulers and authority. Uh, you show me a man that's running around stressed out. Oh, did you see what they did this week? Did you see what they did about the wall, the wall, and Obama, and $5 billion, and they spent, you know, like, like there's, there's, there's people that you can kind of see it in their eyes. It's a little crazy. <laughs> a little crazy. <laughs> I'm not saying you can't talk about it. Um, and you can't be even politically active. Some of you are called to kind of that, that ministry, and thank the Lord for that. Um, but uh, to get the crazy eyes and get all worked up about it, um, man, you got to 1 Timothy chapter 2 it and get that peace and that integrity and godliness, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Um, and, and, you know, there's so much here, and we could talk about the mediator uh, um, and that God wants all men to come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved. Like, there's so much here we could talk about. But in this topic of prayer, let's jump forward again to verse 8. He says, I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. It's almost like the wrath and doubting is helped by the prayer. 
If you're a man lifting up holy hands, praying, then you won't have wrath and you won't have doubting. That's kind of the idea. And that's part of that angry man problem. If you're living the quiet and peaceable life because you're a man of prayer. You know, um, there's so much to this that, uh, man, I hope you don't underestimate the power of prayer to change you, to equip you. You know, we, we always think prayer is just to get what we want, but prayer is really to get us where we're supposed to be. Um, what would happen, and, and this is something I do, honestly, um, my truck is kind of my office, more than my office is my office. Um, you know, uh, once in a while I'll have to drop my truck off, you know, at the shop or whatever, and it just ruins my life. Uh, you know, I, I can't work out of anything but my truck. All my stuff I've got is right there, you know, and um, as soon as it's there, I'm, I'm in some little tiny rental car. I'm like, how do people exist with these little little cars? With And I don't have all my stuff, and, and uh, it's, it's my office, you know. But, but it's also my prayer closet, because uh, I don't have a prayer closet uh, at home, but I've got a truck, and it's very quiet, and I can shut all the stuff down, all the noise and the, the podcasts and all that, and I can just, I can just pray. And, and, and here's something that I've found that's really helpful, especially uh, when my kids were little, because uh, uh, now when I come home, things are pretty peaceable and pretty chill, and it's kind of an, it's a really good season uh, of my life, I have to say. Uh, but, uh, but I remember when the kids were little, and I, I could pretty much guarantee there was a season where I'd come home and Debbie would look at me with a little crazy eyes, speaking of crazy eyes, and say, Brett, you're on, I'm out, tag. <laughs> it was like, like she'd been working with the kids and, and, uh, and they were giving her a run for the money, uh, you know, just as far as uh, behavior and, and uh, challenging mom and all that. But you know, when dad comes home, uh, that's when the, the hammer falls, you know. And, um, and, you know, there were times I knew that, man, Deb's kind of done right now. Uh, and so I'd say, hey, why don't you go up, just take a bath, just chill out, you know, and, and so she would. Um, but, 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 Brett, what if you had a horrible day that day? And what if things were really stressful for you? And, and you come home to that stress. Well, a lot of guys make that mistake of not remembering that the battle, the main part of the day is not at work. Who cares about that? That's going to come and go. They'll give you a watch when you retire, whatever. But what you do at home, that's the, that's the big deal of your life. Game on when you get home. See, the, a lot of men make this mistake. They don't realize the biggest part of their day is when they jump back into their home life and their family. But the best way to prepare yourself, uh, I, there's two things I'd, I, I would do before I'd come home, is I would pull the truck over, find a place, and, uh, and, and I would just say, okay, Lord, you know, this has been a stressful day, and I, I had to deal with this, that, and other thing, and I'd start doing a little prayer and supplication, intercession right there. And it didn't have to be a long, huge, tedious prayer, but just a, a prayer. And then I would also pray, Lord, put my heart in the right place so that when I get in, into the house, I'm in the right mindset. Um, and, um, and then I would also, um, at that time, by the way, this is a freebie, um, I would look up a little scripture and think, if I'm going to do family devos tonight around the dinner table, um, what should I share? And I'd kind of pray about some scripture and think of a story to tell and um, maybe a joke I could remember because the kids liked a joke or a story or something. And I, I just kind of, it, it wasn't like some great thing, but it was a little prep work. And, uh, and then I would come home and, and my mindset would be in the right place because of prayer and because of the word. And then when I'd walk in, you know, I could be the guy that I'm supposed to be. Uh, and be smiley and happy and, you know, tell Deb to go run a bath, you know, and I'll take the kids and I'll wrestle with Joe and, you know, cook my dad's famous cream of wheat. Um, 
by the way, guys, this is a real secret. Be the cream of wheat dad, man. That, that's a great, great thing. Cream of wheat's the easiest thing in the world to make. You just got to stir uh, a lot. Don't, don't stop stirring. It burns. Uh, put it on hot and stir. And then here's the secret. With your, if you got little kids, I'm giving you a huge freebie here. Food coloring. It's the best. Just ask your kids, which color would you like? Which color would you like? Okay. And then you get to mix it all up and, and they get, you know, Brookie got pink, Casey got light blue, Joey got green. Uh, great stuff. Uh, lots of sugar. Um, uh, <laughs> I remember the kids, Daddy, why is your cream of wheat so much better than Mommy's? I'm like, it's magic. <laughs> I didn't tell him it was sugar. Um, but anyway, um, that's probably horrible. Um, I'm sure a lot of you Portland guys are like, oh, I serve lettuce for breakfast. <laughs> um, it's great if you have rabbits for kids. But anyways, um, no, I'm just kidding. So, so uh, back to prayer. Equip yourself. Be ready. Pray it up that you might lead a peaceable, that, that peaceable life is such a key. Quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Uh, prayer readies you. It equips you. Um, and that's why I think he says this most challenging charge in verse 8. I will therefore that men pray everywhere. Isn't it interesting that he makes that emphatic part about the men? Um, the reason I think that's important is because, you know, just uh, truthfully, uh, the statistics. By the way, uh, a few stats on prayer. Six in ten Americans pray one or more times a day. That's what they, the Barna Research Group found. Um, women are more likely to pray than men uh, by quite a bit. Uh, 95% of women um, to 85% of men. Women are more likely than men to be certain that prayer makes the difference uh, in their lives, 64% to 56%. And like I said earlier, baby boomers are less likely than the average American to, um, to consider prayer as part of a regular routine in their lives. Um, kind of interesting. Uh, one of my favorite old-time preachers, and he wasn't famous for his sermons as much as he was famous for being known as the guy that prays, this pastor that just prayed, E.M. Bounds. Has anybody read a book by E.M. Bounds? Any of you guys? Yeah, there's some great old works, uh, The Power of Prayer and stuff like that. But uh, one of my favorite quotes is, he says, what the church needs today is not more machinery or better or new organizations or more novel methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost can use, men of prayer, men mighty in prayer. Oh man, he was more right today than he was back then uh, when he wrote those words or spoke those words. I think that um, we, we might have this quiet, peaceable, godly, integrity vibe here at Athey Creek if, if we as a group of men just say prayer is the key. We're going to be given to prayer. And, and so you have to kind of ask yourself, what does that look like? You know, um, uh, you know flip over to Daniel. Uh, well, let me, let, me, let, me, let me start with, um, go to Psalm, Psalm 5. Uh, because um, how do we pray? When should we pray? I think there are some logistics. A lot of you guys are mathematical kind of uh, oriented uh, dudes. Um, and, and the Bible does give us some cool sort of hints as what prayer should look like. Um, when should we pray and how should we make this work out? Well, I love David, um, and, and David's great because he wasn't a wimp. He was a worshiper. He was a warrior, but he was also a, a, a man given to prayer. And it says here in Psalm 5, 
He says, give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning. O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. Um, when did David pray? Well, it says here, in the morning, in the morning. He says it twice. In the morning will I pray, will I lift up my prayer. And that's, a, that's the first thing you should check and say, how am I doing on that one? Do I, do I lift up my prayer in the morning? One of the challenges I gave you uh, last year at one of the sessions was to pray with your wife. Um, those of you that are married. Um, man, if, if you're married, can I give you that? that that's one of the most important things you can do. And um, I think that... Um, prayer in the morning and the evening is a great thing to do with your wife. Uh, morning and evening. Um, but morning is, is such a key because your day starts out, and um, I don't know how your marriage life works, but for some of you, it might be you get up in the morning, brush your tooth, and, you know, get all ready for work, and then, and then as you're <laughs> getting ready to head out the door, maybe she's still asleep in bed, but just, just do this. Make this a daily routine. <clears throat> just come and you know, scooch up by the bed, kneel by her, and she might be half asleep. Just grab her by the hand and then just offer a prayer for the day. Pray for you, for your wife, for your family, for blessing, for safety. Um, just give, give that, that day to the Lord in prayer together as a couple. I, I'm telling you, this will change your marriage. Um, there's so much that's a benefit of that. One benefit is that, number one, um, prayer is powerful and it's, and it's logis logistically uh, going to change your life. Number two, for you to do the very first thing with your wife in the morning, more before talking to people at work, more than before than checking your phone, before uh, doing all the other stuff you're going to do for the day, if, if that's the priority, she will know that for, for you to pray with her in the morning, that, that she is now part of your priority. Um, I think there's a lot of guys that are like, ah, I don't want to wake her up or um, I don't want to, you know, mess, you know, uh, make her think that I'm trying to be Billy Graham or something, you know. Uh, a lot of reasons we come up with that are just kind of lame reasons why we don't pray with our wives, but there's no excuse. Um, the couple that prays together stays together. That, that old saying is true. Um, and, and Deb and I, we do that every morning. I, that, I wish I could have had all of you guys the same thing. I had growing up because that wasn't even a thing for me to learn how to do, to pray with my wife every morning because that was just what dads did. That's what, that's what a man does. Uh, Brett, how did you know that? Well, it's because my dad. Uh, my bedroom was next to my mom and dad's room and I remember at 5 a.m. every day when my dad would be heading out the door, um, I could, uh, you know, he would go down and, you know, make, uh, he always makes these huge breakfasts, French toast and ham and bacon and uh, toast. And uh, my dad, it's just not fair. He was, he ate like a total pig, but was in perfect shape the whole time. Um, <laughs> and so still is. And uh, uh, I ate one piece of bacon and it's like, uh, uh, but anyway, I don't know where I didn't get that same metabolism. But anyway, um, but my dad, he would eat a big breakfast and get all ready, but, but before he'd walk out the door, he would come up and, and pray with my mom. And I, I, I could almost make out some of the words. I could hear his low, gravelly voice sort of through the wall. As a little kid growing up, that was reassuring. Hey, my dad's praying with my mom. It made me realize that my, you know, my dad cared about my mom. It made me realize that my dad believed in prayer. It made me realize that that was a priority for him. And so, you know, just growing up with that, when I got married back in 87, you know, um, 
that's just what you do. The first, first day on the honeymoon, after you wake up in the morning, you, you pray with your wife. That's just a no-brainer. But as it turns out, uh, as I've learned, a lot of you guys didn't have any example like that, and you didn't see that that was actually what you do. That's what a, that's what a godly man does. I had a good example of that for me. I didn't even realize it was a thing that guys didn't do that. Um, but if you're not doing that, man, tell your wife, honey, we're gonna pray every morning. Well, I'm still asleep. Yeah, uh, you, can, you can be in and out of sleep, or I may, I'll, but I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pray with, every morning, we're gonna pray, before I go out the door, I'm gonna pray with you. Um, and then I would also recommend before you go to sleep at night, you know, um, so many people, what's the last thing that you have going through your brain before you hit the sack? Um, I'm always amazed, you know, I mean, I've read a lot of things about the statistics of these things, but um, the TV is usually what people are kind of phasing out. They got the TV at the foot of their bed, and the husband's wife, uh, click, and that's the end of the day. Um, so if the last thing you got going through your head is Fallon, um, that's probably not a great way to go to sleep. <laughs> um, I think it's a great way to go to sleep at night uh, praying with your wife. Uh, maybe reading a little scripture, too. Uh, there's something you can throw in there. Um, Deb and I, at nighttime, we like to read. There's a, um, a little uh, Bible scripture book called Streams in the Desert. It's really great, where uh, it's just got a bunch of little scriptures. You can read it in like a minute, uh, one for each day. And it's got like eight or ten scriptures, and you just read them. And they're comforting and encouraging, and then you pray, and then that's the, that's the last thing on your brain when you go to sleep at night. And I think that, that'll help your marriage as well. Prayer, so easy, so powerful, and yet we don't even do it, a lot of us. That's, that's the heartbreaking thing. I would that men pray. Why does God focus on the man? Because the man has a less, uh, give, he's not as given to prayer as perhaps the women are. But also men were called to lead in this area of prayer. Well, Brett, what if I don't know the proper words to pray? Um, there is no such thing. You're making something up now. And, and I'll tell you, uh, we pastors messed it all up because a lot of you guys think, well, if I'm not praying King James, the language of Paul the Apostle, uh, then I'm not really praying a real prayer. Um, Thou didst sustain us all things, Brett. Um, it's so funny how we think we got to talk King James. Uh, where did we pick that up? Well, pastors do that a lot of times, and we talk with that quiver in our voice and a certain cadence, and, and we have to talk with great holiness. It's like, no, that's haunted house at Disneyland. Uh, just the Lord wants to talk with you. Um, it's amazing to me how we think that somehow God hears us, you know, by our fancy words. And, and man, if I could undo that in, in so many of our lives where we don't, we don't think we have to do that, you know, um, you know, prayer needs to be real natural, just naturally talking, uh, not making some weird, um, weird thing about, you know, I was thinking um, a few years back, you know, how uh, the Lord wants to have a relationship with us. And it's, it's actually like a husband and wife relationship. Israel is called the wife of God. The church is called the bride of Christ. And so if God is interested in a relationship with us, how should we talk to him? Well, I think there's, there's an example for you and me. For, for picture the most perfect marriage, uh, husband and wife relationship, and picture, if you could, the most perfect wife or bride and how, like, if you, if you were to make a movie, uh, you know, uh, of the most, uh, you know, like a Disney movie or something, the most perfect wife talking to her husband, would she be saying, you're a jerk? No, you're not talking about it. Would, would you have her talk in sort of cold, chilly terms? 
Um, no, you, you, if you were making the perfect wife or bride talking to her husband, you'd create this kind of great communication, but there'd be a certain reverence and respect, but there'd also be love and affection. Um, that's the prayer that you and I should shoot for. We're the bride of Christ. Um, but feeling like you have to talk King James, that's, that's kind of being sort of weird and even maybe hip- hypocrisy because it's sort of a fake put-on sort of thing. You're, you're putting on a 1611 English that has nothing to do with God. Um, that's kind of an important thing. How would you, what, what do you think Debbie would do if I came home from work and I said, my wife, which thou art on earth, Debbie is thy name. Your kitchen come, your meal be done. Like she would be like, Brett, get out of here. Like that's ridiculous. Uh, but, uh, but if I come as a relationship and talk to her in normal but loving terms, that's, the, that's what you and I are supposed to do. Um, if your kids came up and said, Dedith, you'd say, why did you add the th at the end? That's just dumb. You, you want them to call you, you know, little kids daddy or you know, um, dad. Uh, that's what we should do, have a real relationship with God, not some fake thing that we perceive is, is real. Okay, so um, when should we pray, how we should pray? We're talking kind of just rambling here, but let me, let me break it down. So we, we see the, 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 you know, Psalm 5, praying in the morning. But then we move it to kind of the next level. And this wasn't the Muslim's idea. This was the biblical idea. In fact, why don't you um, turn with me to Psalm 55 real quick. Okay, Brett, so I'm supposed to pray with my wife in the morning. If I'm not married, just pray in the morning. Um, and you're the bride of Christ, so kind of a, there's actually kind of a link there. But then the next admonition uh, is what David does here in Psalm 55, verse 16. David says, as for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Now we've got three prayers. Evening, morning, and at noon will I pray or cry to the Lord. Um, Would you flip over to Daniel real quick, the book of Daniel. Uh, Daniel chapter 6. Daniel, a lot of people have a hard time, but find Ezekiel, and then just go to the right. It's the next book. Um, But kind of a famous story. Remember the the jealousy of the, you know, the Chaldeans and the counselors and and all the governors and all the leaders. Daniel had an excellent spirit and had found great favor in the uh, the king Darius. And, and so they, they were tr- devising a plan how to trap Daniel to get him caught and have him killed. And they knew that, they, that you know, um, it's, it's kind of funny. I mean, if somebody investigated your life and were trying to find um, something in your life that you had done and searching diligently, would they be able to find something? Would they find Russian collusion? You? I mean, like, what if the, what if the whole nation was trying to tear your reputation apart how long would you stand without evidence? It's an interesting question. Um, that's what they were doing to Daniel. In fact, look at verse 4. 
It says there in uh, Daniel 6, 4, then the president's princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault for as much as he was faithful. Neither was there any error or fault found in him. Man, I don't think people would have to look very far to find error or fault in me. Just come over to my house, hang out with me for 10 minutes. And you'll say, oh, there's some error and fault there. Um, but Daniel, what a guy. So they realize the only thing that he does that, that we can maybe twist and tweak is he prays to his God all the time. So they made a law and got Darius to sign it. Nobody can pray to anybody but the king, Darius. And so they knew they could get Daniel on this, and so because Daniel did this, and so check it out. Now they wrote this decree, and anybody who did this would be killed. But verse 10, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. The idea is he had a habit of praying. And his habit was morning, noon, night, as he did before. And, and how important was it that Daniel prayed morning, noon, and night? How big of a deal was it to him? So much so that even when it became the death penalty, he still did it. Knowing that the decree had been signed, he said, I'm still doing that. That's how, what, you know, we don't even pray morning, noon, and night, and there's no death penalty, and we don't even see the value in it. Daniel who's one of the greatest men that ever lived, um, he, he saw value in morning, noon, night prayer. Uh, David said, I will cry to the Lord morning, noon, and night. Now, now you say, should we pray toward Jerusalem? Because Daniel did that. Um, you can if you want to, but uh, you don't need to. Well, why Daniel did it? Should we do it? The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 8 to the Jews, when you're in captivity and you're not in your homeland, pray toward Jerusalem for deliverance. Like Daniel was being obedient to what the Bible told the Jews to do. And here's Daniel in captivity in Babylon. He was just being a biblical dude. Um, but you and I, we don't have to pray toward Jerusalem because we're not in captivity right now. Uh, and we're not Jews, most of us. Um, if you're in captivity and you're uh, like in prison at the county over here and, and, uh, and you're a Jew, you can, you can pray for Jerusalem. Uh, but but that, that, that's where the Muslim got that idea. We'll pray toward Mecca. You know, 600 years A.D. I mean, it's amazing how modern Islam is compared to the Bible, to Judaism. Uh, Islam is a relatively new religion compared to, compared to the Bible. Um, and they just borrowed some, a lot of stuff. One of those things is the prayers and kneeling toward Mecca. That actually came from the Bible. But it makes me wonder, our Muslim friends, as much as they need the Lord and need to be saved by Jesus Christ, I, I do marvel at their fervor. I remember driving through the deserts of, um, you know, South Jordan there, and it's just dry and hot, and there's camels running around. It's just like a whole other world. Definitely more third world kind of feel. But I'll never forget, you drive through, and there's guys running around in trucks and doing their stuff and hauling, you know, uh, rocks and just doing the, it's just a buzz down there on the freeway. Um, but man, at prayer time, people are pulled over. There's guys off in the middle of the desert with their little rug and they're praying toward Mecca with fervor as they bow down. Um, Brother, are you wishing we were like Muslims? No. But we should be way more fervent than a Muslim because number one, our God is real, theirs is not. Our God is powerful, theirs is not. Our God asks us to pray, their God doesn't exist. 
And yet we, we kind of kick around in our day wondering why things aren't going well. I just wonder if, if we as an American group of men have kind of lost the idea of fervor, faithfulness, and um, you know, devotion. Brett, are you suggesting that we get a carpet? Well, that fortunately is not part of the, the Bible. That was, that was a Muslim thing. Plus, uh, it's rocky over there. It's nice to have a rug on your knees. <laughs> I think that's why they did that. But, but for us, we, we can pray three times a day. Make, well, Brett, I do that. Check. Morning, breakfast, noon, lunch, evening, dinner. Check, check, and check. Um, the problem with that is um, I don't think that that counts. What do you mean, Brett? Prayer at dinner time doesn't count? I, I kind of think the whole God is good, God is great, we thank you for the food, amen. I don't think that's really counts as prayer. Maybe it does if there's a real fervor to it. But to me, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, it's not even biblical, but there's a time to eat, there's a time to pray. I don't like to mix the two. I'm thankful, and I, you know, the Bible says if you eat meat with Thanksgiving, then eat the meat. So I eat the meat with Thanksgiving. Lord, thank you for this food, amen. Woo, we're good to go. Um, but then there's another time that I think with more fervor and faithfulness, I, I almost think we checked the box of prayer because we blessed the food. I think that might be not really what the Lord had intended with that. Something to think about. Wouldn't it be great if you said to your family, uh, tonight we're going to thank the Lord for the food, but then after we're all done eating, we're going to just spend a few minutes in prayer as a family and, um, and have your oldest. Would you lead us out and, and pray uh, just for whatever thing comes to your mind and we'll, we'll agree together in prayer. And then go around the table <coughs> and, and have your kids learn how to pray openly, publicly. A lot of you guys in this room are horrified at the idea of praying, praying publicly or openly, openly because that freaks you out. Um, chances are you didn't have a dad who had you pray at the dinner table out loud um, where you got kind of used to the idea when you were a kid before you had those huge fears of what everybody thought about you. It's an amazing thing that what you as as fathers and husbands could actually do to help your kids. Prayer is one of the huge, huge things. So, okay, so, so, so far, and I'm almost done. So far, you've got the morning prayers. Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer. Um, in the morning, Psalm chapter five, there's kind of an emphasis there. But there's a second one, morning, noon, and night. Daniel, David, both made that prayer, morning, noon, and night. But then Paul the Apostle even takes it to the next level, uh, and you know it, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Uh, we're going to memorize a scripture this morning, okay? You guys ready? Pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. It's almost as good as Jesus wept. Uh, as far as memorization scriptures, that's a scripture you can memorize today. Pray without ceasing. Three words. One, one whole verse in the Bible. Isn't that an interesting prayer, though? The, 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 the prayer that, that never ceases. What does that look like? Well, that's when you as a believer get to that mode of prayer that is just kind of a constant percolation of talking to God. You know, just, just Lord, I'm, as I'm driving to the work, would you just give me wisdom as I um, deal with this situation and that situation? And, and as you're walking and you see the guy that's going through um, some things with alcohol and you know he's you know, in AA, Lord, give him victory over that battle with alcohol, and then you're, then you're thinking, man, oh no, I don't know what to do about this on the business decision. Lord, give me wisdom about, in fact, when it says ceasing, pray without ceasing, the word there, as many scholars have associated that over the years with the same word you would use for a nagging cough. 
Remember the kind of cold that you have where you're just all day, <laughs> you know, just kind of coughing all the day, uh, that cold? That's the same word. Pray without ceasing, like you're just kind of coughing throughout the day. Um, and, uh, and that's what the Lord asked of us. That's, the, that's what Paul the Apostle tells the New Testament church. And I think there are different prayer modes. Of course, if you're, if you're very intentionally on your knees before God with prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, um, uh, and uh, intercession, there's a very, um, you know, directed kind of prayer, very intentional, very, uh, you know, almost methodical way of praying, which is cool. But then there's the praying without ceasing, where it's just you just talking to God all day long. And, and I think that's a, a key part of a man's prayer life. You see, I, you say, well, which one is it? Is it morning? Or is it morning, noon, and night? Or is it praying without ceasing? Which one? I think they're all the same. They're all kind of different admonitions. The morning prayer is the one that starts the day and you're setting the pace and the tone for the day. It's the one that gets the day going on the right track. The morning, noon, and night is intentional um, prayer like Daniel, as his custom, his habit was, was to pray morning, noon, and night. He had this fervor and reverence to the Lord where he said, I'm gonna intentionally pray three times a day. But then there's also the praying without ceasing, which is just kind of as the day goes and as stuff happens, you're just kind of, Lord, give me wisdom. And you're not, you know, closing your eyes and folding your hands with the praying without ceasing. You're just walking around and talking to God in your heart, even if it's not through your lips. It's just, Lord, I'm giving you this, this decision right now, and I don't know what to do, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this choice, and I pray that you help me make the right one. Just a real quick little prayer, and it can even be a microsecond in your brain of saying, Lord, I need wisdom. Praying without ceasing. Um, these are just some of the modes of prayer. And, and, and I think that if we could perhaps think about our own life, how is your prayer life? Forget everybody else for a second. Forget all the stuff I just said for a second and just ask yourself, if, if I was on a scale before God and God had a prayer scale and um, how good I'm doing at being a person of, a man of real prayer, where does the needle, you know, when it comes to mine, you know, if, if sort of the most faithful prayer warriors way over here, where would you be uh, on that scale? And, and you say, well, Brett, am I trying to impress God with my prayer or impress you? Nope. But if you want to live a quiet and peaceable, godly life, um, according to Paul to Timothy, it should be given to prayer. Priot, a peaceable, quiet life, but also that godliness. Um, that's what it is. The man who prays is going to be more godly. And that's what First Timothy chapter 2 promises. And then the godly man is a blessed man, happy man. He's not going to be angry. He's not going to be uh, full of anxiety. Like the Lord is the one who's going to give that peace that passes understanding. Um, you show me a man that's praying with a, with a legit prayer life, I'll show you a man who's, who's got a weightiness to him, in the best sense of the word, who, who's got a spiritual heft, and he's not going to be easily moved. He's that guy you go, man, I wish I was more like that dude. He just seems like he's a rock. He seems like a pillar. I think that comes from a, a man who's, who's praying. Um, we can try to fake it, but you can't fake it. The man that's truly given to prayer, there's a sense that only comes by prayer. If Jesus, and you've heard this before, but it always, I always marvel at this, if Jesus had to go away and pray on a regular basis, on a routine basis, 
um, who was God made into a man in the flesh, how much more should you and I be given to prayer? But we've failed to make it a real priority by and large for the most part. So my challenge is pretty, pretty singular. It's nothing new or earth shattering or, or, uh, or even something that a lot of guys are like, yeah, I've heard this before. Doesn't matter. The, the, the question is, are you doing that? Are, am I doing that? And, um, and I think for us to go from this meeting today, say, okay, Lord, I'm, here's my game plan. Some of you will go away and you won't have a game plan. Like, oh, it was a good sermon. Brett gave a great sermon on prayer, but it won't change a thing. There won't be any uptick in your prayer life. Some of you are going to do that. Others of you are going to say, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start praying with my wife tomorrow morning. That's what I'm going to do. Um, and, and I'm also going to carve out time to, to be more intentional about when I pray these four prayers, supplication, prayer, intercession, and thanksgiving. Um, and then I'm going to also um, try to maybe uh, look for those moment-by-moment opportunities to just send quick little squeaks uh, of prayers to the Lord, praying without ceasing. And, and then make it your goal this week to just do that, just, just, just this week. And uh, I'll challenge you on that, and then I, I, um, what I'll do is I'll ask some of you guys, hey, how's that going? And see, because I'm excited to see what the Lord will do. It'll change your life. I, I really believe that. And it'll, it'll change the way your wife looks at you and your kids view you. Um, even if they don't even know you're praying, somehow there's a weightiness that you'll have that comes through prayer. There's no other way to do it. Can't fake this one. You just got to do it. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be doers of your word. Forgive us, Lord, for not wanting to talk with you, Lord. We, we, um, we have this great privilege to have your ear where you hear our prayers. Like David said, give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken to the voice of my cry. Lord, you do that. It's amazing that you care about us at all, let alone hear our prayers. And in your infinite power and ability to tune in 100% of the time to 100% of your people, Lord, we, we really count it a privilege to be able to offer our concerns and our requests. You tell us we have not because we ask not. You tell us that if we seek, we will find. If we knock, the door will be open. If we ask, it'll be given. Lord, there's so much that your word promises, and yet we, we often don't tap into this great power of prayer. Lord, we've never seen it proven wrong. You have been so faithful when it comes to the issue of prayer. So help us to be men of prayer. May this group of men just have a spiritual heft and weightiness that comes through prayer and all the other spiritual disciplines, your word, worship, prayer. Lord, may these, these disciplines be a part of who we are, not just in a sort of a poser sort of way, but Lord, make it real. Make it real to each one of us, I pray. So bless my brothers. Give us an ability to, to come up with this plan. And, and Lord, when our spirit is willing and our flesh becomes weak, be our strength, Lord, we pray. Bless the brothers, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together.